0: Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. Have you ever noted, okay, we're in right now, this is a hot season. We're in the middle of a season. It's called summer. But don't despair. How many know that summer has only got a few weeks to go and then we're going to be in the middle of autumn and then winter, then spring, and seasons keep rolling around. But how many know this morning that seasons are not just a description of weather but that seasons are a manifestation of life you are experiencing right now a season in your life and those seasons take all kinds of dimensions you know there's the there's the uh season of your age but there's more than that there's seasons of finances there's seasons of family um uh, a fellow by the name of, of uh Habakkuk, who was an Old Testament prophet, uh, wrote about a really bad season. And the thing about a farmer, uh, it's a wise farmer who understands the season and cooperates with the season. It's a wise person who does the same thing. You're a wise woman or a wise man if you understand the season that you're currently in and then you make the most of the season. A farmer doesn't, uh, doesn't despair when there's no harvest in winter because he knows spring is coming. Uh, and then if the harvest fails he doesn't go oh well that's it life's over because he knows that seasons continue to come and sometimes there are prosperous seasons and sometimes there are sparse seasons Habakkuk writes about a sparse season but in this sparse season he gives us an incredible key to maintain an an internal sense of joy and And well being and and overcoming, even when externally things might not seem to be going so well. We're going to look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud or blossom, and there be no grape on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. (laughs) And we know this is a great day. (laughs) Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. Let me just give you some inkling into what he's saying. Uh, in that culture in that day and age uh, figs olives uh, grapes and grain were uh, signs of wealth livestock was an investment Uh, they had currency as we have today but they didn't have stocks and bonds and share markets and so forth their investments were in livestock and so what he's just said that all your trappings of wealth are gone and all your investments have come to nothing this is the experience that Habakkuk is describing yet he goes on and says this yet will I rejoice yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in the God of my salvation how does he do that how does a person maintain an inner joy despite the fact that the outer circumstances seems to be dictating something else he just gave us a profound insight that you could read over really quickly and and probably miss and what i want to drill down into for this next 30 minutes or so this morning to answer that question because let's face it folks there are good seasons and there are lean seasons you know that and when things seem to be going awry, when prayers don't seem to be being answered, when, when uh, the resources that are required are not uh, at the ready, how do you maintain a sense of joy? How can you keep that sense of, hey, I'm an overcomer, my faith is in God, and I'm believing for the best? To understand why Habakkuk could say that, the prophet could say that, what we'd have to do is understand what he understood and many of you would have read this before most probably some of you anyhow Um, but whether or not we understand what I'm about to read to you because what I'm about to read to you is part of what Habakkuk understood and I think to understand how he could do this we've got to try to know what he knew so I'm going to read to you a passage from the book of Deuteronomy which he would have been able to quote uh, he, would have ne- he would not have needed to read this like I need to read this. He could have quoted it because the Torah was that important to them that as young boys, they actually learned to quote it. So he knew this. And there was, there was something in this that actually leads to what he just said. I want to read it to you, then we'll unpack it and apply it to our lives. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 26... So the extended reading from verses 2 down to verse 11. It says, Take some of the first fruits of all of the produce from the sword of the land uh, the Lord your God has given you and put it into a basket. Then uh, then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for His name and say so that a priest in office at the time. Okay, so you've taken an offering, you've brought it to you know the, the place of worship and as you give it, you say this, I declare today that the Lord your God that I have... Uh, that i have come to the land the lord swore to our ancestors to give to us the priest then takes it so you've come and you've made that little phrase the priest then takes the basket that you've given to him Um, then you declare before the lord your god my father was a wandering aramean and went down into egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation powerful and numerous but the egyptians the egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer subjecting us to harsh labor then we cried out to the lord the god of our ancestors and the lord heard our voice saw our misery toil and oppression so the lord brought us up out of egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm with great terror and with signs and wonders and he brought us into a place and gave us this land a land flowing with milk and honey and now i bring the first fruits of the soil to you lord have given me wound up in that three really important attitudes about resources and giving that Habakkuk knew and, and I'll give them to you and then we'll we'll, we'll unpack them i in case you fall asleep in the next 20 minutes I'll give them to you might like to write them down um, God was saying to his people give sacrificially give joyfully and give graciously give sacrificially give joyfully and give graciously let me let me explain this let me unpack it a little bit for you so what the farmer had to do okay so let's just say he was i don't know for whatever growing grapes uh, and the fruit was was ripe on the vine he would go out he would um, pick that fruit and the first fruits the first of the harvest he would then take and go through the process that was just outlined he'd bring that and give that to god that would become his giving his his uh, work of charity um, if you will now if you were an investment strategist or you were a money person That wouldn't make a lot of sense to you. What you would do, right? This makes a lot more sense and this is where you and I would live, I suggest, is that we would say to the farmer, get all of your harvest in. Pay your bills, okay? Pay your farm hands and the additives and all the machinery, whatever it is, uh, everything that you needed to uh, establish that crop. Then what you have left over, that's your profit. Okay, then you take out from that what you need to live in your own expenses. Then what you have left over from that take a percentage of that and bring that and give that as a charitable gift as an act of generosity bring that as a a uh, as an expression of your you know devotion to god now that's how the average person would operate but that's not what god has asked of these people god says i want you to take of the first of the harvest While the harvest is still out there, when you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, you know, there might be a cyclone, there might be some cataclysmic weather event. uh, The harvest uh, might go bad. You still don't know how this is going to end up. You still don't know how much this is going to cost. You still don't know whether or not you're going to have a profit. But God says, take from the first, and before you know what's going to happen, I want you to bring that, and I want you to give that to me. Now, that's a little contrary to common sense but you see in the new testament we are instructed to walk by faith and not by sight you see the other way the the, the the kind of normal way the common sense way is walking by sight god's called us to walk by faith so let me relate that to you and i um, you don't really know what expenses you, you've going to occur in the course of this year or this week for that matter you don't really know what your income's going to be You don't know whether you might get a pay rise. You don't know whether, you know, the plant will shut down. There there are a whole bunch of things that are, are, you know, uh, variables in your future. But what God is saying to to His people, and and there's a principle here I'm going to derive in a moment, is, listen, don't give me your leftovers. God wants your first overs. (laughs) That was such a word, new word. Uh, God wants you to take from the first... And give out of faith that the remainder will come in, then get everything together, chop it up, and go, okay, well, this over here, this over here, do we have anything left? Can, is there anything we can give? Not this week. No. This week, our expenses surpassed our income. So, not this week. You see, here I believe is the principle if you give out of your surplus when things are tight, when there is no fruit on the vine, etc., etc., when you're in a, a season of uh, of scarcity, you won't give anything, and that was never acceptable for the people of God. Uh, what He was requiring of them, and here's the point, what He was requiring of them is to give to the point that it changed their lifestyle. You have to give to the point where it changes the way that you live. For example. You know, you might say, well, I want to eat there, I want to go there, I want to buy that, I like that new clothes, I would like that new latest uh, trinket, I, I, I've got to get this, I want to get that. And, and, and what, what this is saying is, no, 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 you must give to the point that it affects the way that you live. That's giving sacrificially. Not only do you have to learn to give sacrificially, and we are leading to something here, so just stay with me, you think, oh boy, you know, I could have stayed home and just got hot (laughs) i'm really excited about giving sacrificially uh and now i'm going to tell you not only have you got to give sacrificially but you've got to give it joy so be happy about it (laughs) you'll be happy about your sacrifice right who's happy about sacrifice surely there's a contradiction of terms there i mean uh you know doesn't the idea of sacrifice carry with it a notion that kind of says well i don't really want to because it's a sacrifice." but he's i get that i understand your thinking like that because i i I could think like that too i mean let's face it right you've worked darn hard you're hard-earned you know it's referred to you because you're hard-earned you've worked hard you studied hard right you sacrificed long man you put in the hours you put in the effort to get what you've got and how many know, in this day and age, you know, with soaring electricity prices and soaring uh, fuel costs, etc., cetera, etc, cetera, that everybody's beating down at my door. and now you want me to uh, amend my standard of living and be joyful about it. I'm sorry, I can sacrifice. I can do that. but to do that with joy is just something my heart can't. I understand that. That's why you'll note what they were told to do. They were told to do something very specifically when they brought that offering. And I wonder if you do it. I bet you don't. I don't do it. I was reading this during the week and thought, I should start doing this. (laughs) Uh, This is a really important principle. And yet, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been uh, giving all all of my life since I was 12 years of age and I don't think I've ever done this. And it only sort of occurred to me this week, I think, oh man, I can see my problem i can see my mistake and maybe it's not just my mistake maybe it's your mistake too but what happens is that you know the offering plate comes around or nowadays you know m- most people give on on you know uh in uh, over the internet um you know electronic transfer so i you know do i do an electronic transfer and and i give absolutely and I, and i this is really bad isn't it but you almost set it up so it Automatically happens and there's a real problem with this it's good on the one hand that you don't have to think about it but it's bad on the other hand that you don't have to think about it <laughs> because you know he says when you do it say this my father was a wandering aramein who went down to egypt blah 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 you know few people we were cursed then god brought us out what he's telling them to drill into their hearts every time they give what I'm saying to you this morning you've got to drill this into your heart every time you give or you just won't get it okay uh, I don't care how nice a person you are and you're probably far nicer than I am probably you are but you won't get it because There's something about us, there's something about the way we are wired that we just don't get it. But what he's doing here is he is connecting your giving to your salvation. I can give because I was saved from Egypt. See? I can give because of what God has done for me, I can give because of God's immense generosity let me put it to you like this I mean let's just work on the basis of tithing for a minute for whatever reason right but could you imagine let's just say that you needed $10,000 to get some bills paid really quickly and you came to me and said John can you lend me 10 grand I'll pay you back and I said no drama 10 grand no problem I've got that in my pocket right now and I pull out the 10 G's right and I give you the 10,000 and I say to you listen only give me back 1,000 you keep the rest would you give me that would you give me back that 1,000 with joy would you because you got it because you understand it see nobody has ever pulled themselves up by their bootstraps you don't have what you have because of your incredible capacity to get It's not because of your mighty hand your smart brain it's not because of uh, of uh you know your uh your uh, now choosing this over that and working that out no 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 folks i got to tell you right now if you were born in the 13th century right on a tibetan hill you wouldn't have what you have today no matter how hard you worked you had no say whatsoever in the gifts the talents the location the heritage that you have everything that we have is a gift from God and that's what they had to say every time they brought the gift it wasn't just about oh well, there you go you know it wasn't just a big great every time they come they had to say everything I have is because of the salvation of my people and of myself and I bring this to you and I'm filled with joy that I get to keep the rest because it all is yours see the change of the premise see if you don't understand that then all this business about giving with joy is hyperbole it's all a bit of nonsense really oh yes I really enjoy giving particularly when I can't pay my bills hallelujah but when you understand that all that we have is being given to us by God and you continue to drill it in drill it in drill it in every time we take up the offering drill it in until it gets to the point where it changes you it changes your outlook see J- jesus said but store up for yourself uh, treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also it's such a powerful phrase where your treasure is there your heart will be also you know many of you in this room i think uh what i would define as bronco supporters is there a bronco supporter in the house yes thank you i see that hand mick hat um and, and here's the thing if you're a bronco supporter right and the season tickets come available you look at the you don't even look at the price you just want the tickets i mean you'll buy the tickets and you'll probably pay 150 bucks for a jumper throw in a hat and a scarf as well <laughs> because your heart right is with, is with wayne bennett or whatever because your heart is with the broncos and if your heart is with the broncos then spending money on bronco stuff is easy for you it's easy now some of you look as if, as if i'll do that that's a stupid thing i get that you're not a broncos fan i understand that Not everybody in church likes broncos i understand that you might be i don't know um uh taylor swift is that any better for you darling a taylor swift fan <laughs> right so when taylor swift comes to town right are you thinking about the price of the tickets to go and see taylor swift no you're not you just want the ticket and how much it costs is secondary to the fact that i'm there and then once you've been to taylor swift and you come home from the concert you're not telling people how much the ticket costs you're telling the people how wonderful taylor is <laughs> and you probably bought, you know, some you, you got some albums or whatever it is they buy nowadays, you downloaded the thing, you know, and, and you got this and that, you got some trinkets and, you know, wow, I, I went there, it cost me, you know, 360 bucks for the ticket, but when I got there, I spent over $100 on a hamburger and I bought a couple of other things. <laughs> <laughs> how many know, it doesn't, money doesn't matter because my heart's with Taylor. And, and i just love her or whatever it is you know now apply that as you like you know Katy perry uh you too however whatever and all i'm simply saying is that look maybe for some of you here it's not a, you know it's not that it might be clothing right maybe it's your clothes or your makeup or maybe it's your hair i shouldn't go too far that direction maybe it's your hair <laughs> right maybe you struggle to find money to buy food but there's always plenty of money for the hair (laughs) because where your heart is there your treasure will be also you see and and so so here's here's the thing we all have a proclivity for something you have a proclivity for something Uh, I think I've mentioned this before I have a proclivity for experiences right I mean, we, we were um, in, a, uh, in, in Strawn, a little town in Tasmania the other day with uh, Gary and Sarah and we we're going on this train and, and uh, I don't know how much it cost to go on the caboose and get food but it was really expensive and Gary says, well, we won't be coming back, you know. And, all right, <laughs> $330 for a train ride, all right, <laughs> I guess we're not coming back, are we? But it's an experience, you see and my i have a proclivity for experience i've used that argument on myself many times when you're in a place of the world and there's an opportunity to, to do something you know well i won't be coming back you know so it's not just the cost of the thing it's the cost of getting here etc cetera, etc cetera. so let's have the experience while we're here and, and and you have a proclivity for something i have a proclivity for something but but, but here's my point if you know jesus if you really really know jesus you can't help but give with joy and if you don't you got no hope of giving with joy it's as simple as that it's as simple as that you know if you don't know the broncos when you find out how much their season ticket cost you must be kidding <laughs> i'm not going to spend that but when you know them it doesn't matter See, when you know Jesus, and look, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, and you think, man, this all just sounds a bit harsh, a bit ridiculous. It does. I understand it. It does sound ridiculous. Stick with your idea of getting in, paying all your bills, making sure you've got enough. And if you've got anything left over and a charity knocks on your door or, or somebody you know, appeals to you, then give out of that. I get that. But if you know Jesus, it's got to be different if you know Jesus we give sacrificially and with joy and how that works is this you see the pain is not in our hearts there's joy in our hearts the sacrifice is in our behavior means I, I can't go to this I can't do that because I'm giving so it hurt or it changed our behavior but it didn't hurt our heart our heart is filled with joy what Habakkuk is saying what the prophet is saying here is that uh, tough times come I mean you know that I know that people face bankruptcy persecution and and, and, and you might say you know John it, it's, it's too hard I, you know he's a great man the prophet's a great man I get that but in all honesty you know your little phrase about well you've got to know Jesus oh I thought I knew him but you know if, if I want to be, be really honest with, with, with you, if you could be really honest with yourself for a minute, there's that phrase, I'll, I'll, I'll read it again, that the fruit tree does not bud and there's no grape on the vine, no olive uh, crop, the olive crop fails and the field produces no, no food, that's grain. There's no sheep, there's no cattle in the woods, there's no supply. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. Do you find that inspirational or do you find that crushing? think about that for a minute does that inspire you or do you think that's just too hard bar's too high mate you know because because sometimes you know a, a, a little bit of increase in the bar can inspire us to do a little bit better but but if the bar's way up here and we're down here it's kind of like just tune off you know <laughs> too hard not 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 for me not today sorry i've got other things i've got other priorities other things i'm focused on right now you know building a house i'm raising a family i'm buying a car or whatever it might happen to be when i've done that you know then maybe we can look at these other things and and I, i understand that i actually empathize with you i completely get it and the reason you say that is because you've got to get this because you're looking at his example and you're missing his point you're looking at his example and you're missing his point don't look at habakkuk's example look at his point where does he point i'll, I'll read it again so that you know the tree does not etc etc yet will i rejoice and he points to the lord see he said i'm not rejoicing in the fact that they don't have anything i'm not rejoicing in that but that's the example that we see so what happens is we get we get crushed by his example and we miss The direction that he points. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The reason, folks, that we can be joyful in the God of our salvation, that the reason that you and I this morning can have an overflowing sense of happiness in our life despite our circumstances is because the lamb of god has been slain because our sins have been forgiven because our salvation and our future is assured because we know that this life is only but a vapor and that heaven is awaiting reality it's assured in the resurrection of jesus christ the first fruits of all salvation Remember a couple of weeks ago I I was sharing about these guys on the road to Emmaus and Jesus came along and and, and He points the direction away from their circumstances towards Himself. And He shows from the Bible, you know, here is Christ, here is Christ, here is Christ, I am He. And, And He points from their circumstances to Jesus. See, Jesus at the cross had it all taken away from Him. I mean, He had nothing left but a tunic and that was taken from Him in the end. He altered uh, his lifestyle to the point where it cost him his life. And the reason we can do this is that there has been indeed a cost paid. The grace was free, but it was costly, folks. The grace was free, but it was costly. You see, they had to repeat this every time they gave. You know, They, they talked about being delivered from Egypt by God's mighty hand, the, the lamb that was slain. Uh, they had to take a sheep many of you would be aware of this maybe some are not but that the final plague that transpired in egypt before the children of israel left was the angel of death brought judgment to the nation and the first in each household died except those households that had blood sprinkled on the doorpost and on the lintel and uh and that that lamb that had been slain to provide that blood did you know i've got a picture here of of the egyptian god the the egyptians um we can put that up there that'd be great the egyptians worship sheep folks they worship sheep and when you start slaying when you start killing sheep (laughs) when you start killing what people worship how many know you're going to get them offside the Egyptians worship sheep and now the the these these Israelis are slaying sheep for the purpose of uh, applying the blood to this weird practice they're putting the blood on the doors of their homes the grace was free but the grace was costly how many know this morning that what you and I receive through Jesus Christ it's free but it cost heaven everything See, John the Baptist, he strung these two ideas together when he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the only reason we can be saved was because God gave. God says, "I, I want you to give. Notice what I did for you, I want you to respond. We see that his grace was costly. And you can say as I can say, well, if you can give to the point where you lost your life, I can give to the point that changes mine. He goes on in, the, in, in that um, passage in Deuteronomy 26, which is all about resource and supply. Uh, and he gives this, the, the principle of the tithe. Uh, and they had to bring a tenth, that was, you know, uh, and, and so on and so forth. But uh, when Zacchaeus met Jesus, the principle of tithe went out the window and he brought half. <laughs> he said, I'm going to give half of all that I have. And he did it with such joy because he'd met Christ and he understood the level of salvation that he had just received and he couldn't help but respond with such enthusiasm and with such excitement that Zacchaeus gave half of what he'd taken uh, from people he give it and he had returned it he gave it and I'm not suggesting today that you know 50 is, is, is a standard I'm just saying that when you know what has been done for you and when you do what I believe these guys were asked to do and that's drill it into your heart that you can give because so much has been given for you. That you give with joy, you give with sacrifice, but ultimately you give with grace because when you give, you turn currency into grace. Did you know that? See, uh, uh, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, Jesus said. When you give, when you give, to Ministry or when you give to uh, the poor you turn currency into grace you see you establish something like this you know it's a a, a place where Christians can gather and a, a place where people can come and examine faith and a, a place where where the Bible can be taught and a place where we can worship God and, and people come and, and they experience grace and it happened because people gave it happened because someone said you know this thing I've got here, it's just currency, but I'm going to turn it into God's grace. I'm going to give it. And they gave it, and it became grace. Grace to somebody else. Grace in the life of another person. Is it any wonder he said, when the fig tree doesn't blossom, and there's no fruit on the vine when there's no cattle in the stores and sheep in the pen, those things are not the source of my joy. They're not the source of my happiness. Yet will I rejoice, and we look to where he points, the grace of where he points. Yet will I rejoice not in poverty, yet will I rejoice, not in lack, yet will I rejoice, not in resources, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. And he understood where they'd come from. He understood we were in Egypt. We were slaves. We were treated harshly without grace at all, but God by His mighty hand Bought us out of that and delivered us into this land that flows with milk and honey. And look, you know, seasons come and seasons go. But I see what God has done in our past. And I know what God will do in our future. And my heart is rested in God in my current circumstances. For I know my God has never left me and He will never forsake me. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord and not be pushed around see this world today it wants to push you around on the basis of resources you know lifestyles that are rich and famous are where happiness is found and and tonight as I mentioned a little bit earlier tonight we're going to look at at, um, one of the richest people that has ever lived uh, probably one of a handful of people that have ever known the level of power that King Nebuchadnezzar had of ancient Babylon he um, turned the city of Babylon to one great park the hanging baskets of Babylon uh, are one of the, the seven um, uh, you know, a- ancient uh, uh, miracles, as, they, as they, th- they say. I mean, it's like, wow, how did that ever happen? How could that physically have ever happened? It's like, it's, it's like people are amazed at what Nebuchadnezzar did, and he did rule the world. And yet you have Nebuchadnezzar, who feared no army because there was none, who feared no lack because there was none. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had there was no peer in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Nebuchadnezzar was a a master of the universe, literally. He was the the ruler of the world. And yet he didn't, yet he couldn't sleep. Yet there was fear in his heart. How you can have everything and still lack something. And yet Habakkuk says how you can have nothing but still have everything. And I encourage you to to come out tonight and we're going to dig into um, Nebuchadnezzar's story. It's an enthralling story of pride and power. But this morning, I want you just to ask yourself as we conclude our service and our time here, does my giving alter my lifestyle? Do I give with joy? Do I give with grace? Is there a graciousness about this? If there's not, then you'll never aspire to Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. But if you understand how he got there through drilling into what had happened and you this morning say, I'm going to drill into what God has done for me, then I believe you can arrive there with joy in your heart. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray together. Father, I thank you this morning for your incredible gift to us, Lord, for your gracious generosity in Jesus Christ we look to him Lord as the author of our salvation and as the completer as the one who completes the work in our lives that you have so mercifully started Lord I pray for everybody in this room this morning I don't know the heart of, uh, of, of most people in this room yet Lord God I, I know that your heart is for them So God, I pray that our hearts would reflect back to you what your heart was for us. And with that, an overflowing sense of joy. Let's stand together too.